This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Blessed today to have Samantha with me. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. One of the big concepts that I love that Samantha talks about is love. And that is one of the things that is all about humanity and about being unapologetically bold on that. So thank you again for joining me today, Samantha. Of course, I'm really happy to be here. So for people that don't know who you are or have never heard of the Love Summit, can you speak just quickly, briefly about who you are and some of the work that you do? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Samantha Thomas, also uh, go by ST. I am uh, the founder of a business and leadership conference called the Love Summit, which I started back in 2015 to bring together business leaders, government leaders, and civil society to discuss the significance of love in our societal systems, why it's important to bring that component to business and government and all aspects of our lives. So I did two of those conferences conferences through a nonprofit that I directed for six years. And then I resigned from my position at that nonprofit team called Just Choose Love, which is centered on the concept of the Love Summit that I just outlined. And then I decided to simultaneously go back to school to do a master's uh, research program to study and do research on my theories about love in, in society. So I'm just finishing that up. I'm submitting my dissertation tomorrow. So that's really exciting. And um, yeah, starting to share about my research on love and the significance of love. That is awesome. And we can get into that in a, in a little bit. But before we get started, this this is called Unapologetically Bold. So Samantha, what are you not sorry for? I'm not sorry for leading with love. I'm not sorry for starting a business conference called the Love Summit when there was so much pushback on that name about using that word in the context of business. There's a lot of fear and hesitancy around that. And I'm not sorry because I think it's what the world needs most right now. Oh, I agree. And I actually heard about you first in 2016 at a Wellco conference. And I heard, and I, I think you had a booth or I can't remember what it was, yeah. but I was like, the Love Summit, that is the coolest thing ever. And I was so stoked about it, but I have seen a lot of pushback, even in the work that I do, that how love is kind of like the one thing we can talk about trust. We can talk about how psychological safety, but it's like that word love just has this different connection and different feeling than others that some people are like, ah, no, that's sometimes breaking HR rules, you know? So talk to me about the first time you were like, love needs to be in work. It's missing. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad I'm late that you pointed out that there, it's interesting that people have no problem using words like trust or psychological safety, but love strikes a different chord for people and there's hesitancy around it. And what I've come to find through my research is that 
the reason why people have that hesitancy towards love and these notions around love is because people actually, a lot of people don't really understand what love really is. Uh, we typically have kind of one definition of love in society, and that is that we typically describe it or think of it as a feeling or an emotion, when actually love can be experienced as a feeling or emotion, but more than anything, love is an action. And some of the actions that encompass love or are loving actions are things like create trust with people, creating psychological safety with people, um, being uh, holding people accountable, uh, acting responsible for your actions, things like that. So really, when we think of love like as an umbrella term for some of those terms that you just used, trust, psychological safety, then it's really not that scary of a word. Mm -mm. No, and I love that you say that too, because uh, for me, love is to be patient, kind, honest, understanding, and not boasting the will. That's always been, well, not always. It, later on in life, that became my definition of it because so much time before, it was Hollywood love. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to talk about how leading with love is so much different than what Hollywood portrays. And I think that's the mindset a lot of people have with that definition, that it's not an action. It is this fairy tale story that some people may or may not ever meet or get to have. You're so right. And that's something that I've come across as well is that in the media, whether we're talking about, and we can use Hollywood as you know synonymous with media, what we see in the media and what's portrayed in the media about love is often love is positivized and feminized. So it's always this, and it's, we use words to describe it like sweet or i don't know emotional things like that and so we have this whole concept around love in society that is based in that just the positive um positive sides of love and um kind of the more feminine sides of love but there's a totally other side of love too where love is sometimes negative um, in the sense that that probably sounds kind of strange. I mean that often avoid negativity and expect it to always be positive, their relations with people and stuff. But, um, you know, going back to the concept of love as an action and not just a feeling when we're taking any actions and doing anything in life, nothing's ever, you know, perfectly easy and smooth sailing. And it's the same with love. Um, and it's a bumpy ride. It's not always uh, warm, fuzzy feelings. Yeah, and I think that's so true, too. For me, what I first, my definition, how it actually got molded is because looking at physiology, there's an oxytocin, you know, it's called the love hormone or the love chemical of the body. And just exploring that more in how, when is that secreted? When does it come out? And I joke now is that for me, love is like seeing my kids get sick as dogs and throw up on the floor and me cleaning that up. It, that's an act of love because nobody wants to do it. It's dirty. It's ugly. Right. It's a connection. It's all about caring. So in your research, have you seen any connections with that on how love is in, in it being an action? You know, like it, it's something that sometimes like we have this pretty picture of it and mm -hmm. I always joke marriage. Of course, I, I relate love back to marriage. 
But what I think too, is that I love my husband now more than ever, but it's through all the junk that we went through, you know, and it's that care and connect that has came from learning each other, but it's learning each other in love and how to be that patient, kind, honest, understanding aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what that reminds me of is the idea of love being an action that we take for, for someone else's growth. So my research has been on this. um, So it's been on love as a force for social justice, uh, but Mm -hmm. I had kind of hone in on one area. And so I decided to base my research, uh, my dissertation research on this woman named Bell Hooks. And she's an African-American feminist theorist and cultural critic. She's written a lot of amazing books. Um, but the one that I drew on the most for my research is a book called All About Love by Bell Hooks. I highly recommend it. And she defines love throughout the book, but the definition that she uses to to describe love is a definition that she draws on uh, from M. Scott Peck, who wrote the book, The Road Less Traveled, which I, a lot of people know of, it's, it's an oldie. And the quote goes like this, love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love, we choose to love. So <laughs> I think yeah. that, yeah, I love it too. And I think it speaks to what you were just saying, Emily, about love. Um, you know, you, you used the example of your husband and how your love for him and for each other has grown over time through all of the things that you've gone through together. And probably a lot of those things that your love has grown larger from is the, the hardships and the, the challenges. And when we think of hardships and challenges, we can think of growth because growth is, it can be a painful process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, we do choose to grow. If we do choose to love through that process, then that love just grows stronger and bigger and, and better. How did that book resonate to you? Was there a story or was there a time in your life? Was there a place that you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, this hits home? Like, this is how I know this is real. Yeah, that's a really good question. What I like most about that book, All About Love by Bell Hooks, is that she draws on, she kind of ties everything together, just in terms of looking at the things that happen to us as individuals, starting from childhood and how we were raised, the environmental kind of conditions that we grow up in, who raises us and how we learn about love from the time we're born to where we're at today and how much those early years really shape the foundation for how we view love. And so it's really cool that she talks about that because it brings it back to kind of the, you know, the individual level. And I think that's really, really important because that's where love starts. When we talk about societal love, we can only have societal love or a loving society if we have individuals who love themselves and love others. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy feat to, you know, get how many people are in the world. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, when thinking of, you know, that's that's a big task to get everyone to that point where they love themselves and love others. But in any case, I think that 
it's very, it's profound how she weaves that in with other kind of historical stories about other love-based leaders who led from this place of the love ethic. Uh, and she draws on a lot of different um, psychologists and sociologists who spoke to this concept of a love ethic. So love as a value in mm-hmm. our society systems. Um, yeah, so I think that that's what hit home most for me about that book. It talks about love in the broader sense and societal sense, uh, but also the individual sense. And it's not esoteric at all. It's not, there are some kind of spiritual components, but not in a way, it's very accessible for everybody, no matter your cultural background. For me, you can't love others if you can't love yourself. It's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. And I learned that the hard way. Um, And I always say that the lack of love for myself also, my trajectory, the reason why I made some bad choices in my life was because I didn't love myself and and I didn't value myself. There was, I devalued myself and my worth. So how do you help people in this mission of bringing ethic or love as an ethic, as a value for, for companies? How do you, how do you even start with that? So it's, it's a, I would say never ending process. It's a long process, but it really starts, like you said, with the self, right? Um, so having the will to kind of self-actualize, if you will. And what I mean by that is to take a step back and to think about your growth as a person and what you're choosing and how you're leading your life and where you're leading from. But it's also easier said than done. And it's not, that's not always a realistic thing for everybody. And this isn't just, this also comes back to the fact that the economic fodder and like foundation to, for people to pursue self-actualization and uh, to kind of contemplate these things and invest time in, um, in, in these these ideas is when when people don't even their basic needs met, how can we expect them to have the wherewithal or the time to be able to to invest in their personal growth if they're constantly worried about making ends meet and their financial security? And then aside from that, also typically people in those situations, um, I mean, a lot of us are in those situations. It's not you know, a few people, but when we think about like people who are in poverty, legitimate poverty, how they're often not, they don't have um, access to the greatest education, the environmental conditions that they are surrounded by are not very conducive to even paying attention to these things. So it's difficult, but um, I think that there's a lot of places to start and it just depends on the person, if we're talking more about a company, you know, let's say hypothetically, there's a business that wants to bring the love ethic into the workplace. There aren't any kind of like major financial constraints <laughs> around doing this. Um, for, of course, the, the business is probably going to be worried if businesses are always worried about their bottom line. And that's something important. But I think what a lot of business people, not business people, but a lot of we're kind of stuck in this old mindset that if we incorporate these values of love into the workplace, that it's going to diminish our bottom line, but it's actually the opposite because when people experience love and feel valued and feel trust and feel 
affection and care and like they're taken care of in the workplace, they're going to be more productive, they're going to be happier, and that's going to increase the bottom line. Um, it's really starting, I, I would speak specifically to business leaders um, in saying that have the courage, you just need to have the courage to take that step and trust that when you make these decisions to help others and to, to support, we can call it the spiritual growth, but I don't mean spiritual in the sense of like religious spirituality or you know esoteric spirituality i mean like literally you are you are nurturing the spirit of somebody so you can think of you know what is what is my spirit i feel i feel my spirit is blooming when i'm doing the things that make me happiest when i feel taken care of when i feel valued so I really think that business leaders just need to have the courage to take that step and to invest in, in the people that work for them and trust that it is going to pan out and it's going to work better for everyone, including the business. And that's the thing is I've never seen love be unsuccessful, like ever. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things that just the extension of it is everybody I feel like needs it. And so therefore I can see why it's such importance to be an ethic. So going back to your research, what was like the most interesting thing that, or maybe something that you didn't expect to find, but you're like, oh, this is awesome. Like from your research, that was just something that was different that you kind of knew, but it kind of like solidified for you as well. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm having a hard time thinking of something that came about that I didn't mm -hmm. already know. And I don't mean to sound like I know it all, but I, this is something that I've been studying for so long on my own and learning about for so long prior to starting my research. So a lot of it wasn't, a lot of it wasn't that, um, you know what, here's one thing. This is something that was really big. Um, so we were talking about self-love and the importance of self-love, right? What I came to learn in my research, I think that often, and I kind of had a hunch about this before, I've always had this kind of cringy feeling when I hear people talk about self-love because I feel like often it's misconstrued or misportrayed to people in the sense that people think that self-love is something that we acquire on our own without help from anybody else and that we just need to cultivate the self-love and all will be well and you just need to love yourself and great I think that's good yeah we need to do that but self-love actually starts with well I shouldn't say it starts with it involves many people not just yourself it involves having people putting yourself in an, in an environment and around people who support you who remind you of your worth and your value and then when we talk about coming back to the self we have to have the the courage to believe in our worth and value when it is reflected to us so it's really a reciprocal process and it's not just it doesn't just start it's it's not just us that creates self-love for ourselves it's it's many people and experiences in our life and then also something that was interesting is that um i came to find through my research that we live in a very narcissistic world and society 
And narcissism cannot, when we're constantly just thinking about the self, the reason why I bring this up is because it's kind of connected to self-love because I think that sometimes when people go, get so obsessed with self-love, they can, it can start to become like narcissistic almost because we stop thinking about the other. And that's a huge part of love. Love can't exist without recognition for the other. Um, it's a reciprocal process once again, but it's about extending ourselves for the other. And when we get too self-loving, it can sometimes, we don't understand self-love in the, in what it, in the sense of like what it actually means. And we can kind of, I think that it can become a little bit narcissistic and narcissism is the epitome of not looking at the other and just being so absorbed in the self. Right. And I think that we have a society that is such a reflection of that, such a me culture, such a me first, me and my family first. Um, I do whatever I can to get ahead. And mm -hmm. um, so that was a big thing too. And I think that's cool. On um, both of the things that you talk about is one, that self-efficacy, like the self, what I always say is I'd rather have self-compassion because it's a me versus we instead of me with we. Like whenever you have self-compassion, you, you bring it together. It's more of, it's a bigger picture. It's about the other people. Mm -hmm. But the, but the interesting thing about that, too, is, again, if you're going back into the body, oxytocin, it literally you have to have another person like it's bonding. Mm -hmm. It is bonding with people. People need people. You can't just be about yourself because you we've heard stories time and time where people climb the ladder. They do all these things. They, they feel like they're giving their self love with things, but they never had it or were never extended it from others, or they may have put up barriers to not receive it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's very important too, is some of the, did, I don't know if any of your research showed some of the barriers that people may put up to stop this from even being a discussion point that it's, they're so, they may have been hurt so much in the past from a perceived love when it wasn't, I call it actually a dopamine release, which it was just like that. It's almost like a childhood, like first love kind of thing. It's like, ah, you know, but you know, the full action of it. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to that about what are some barriers that, that we need to overcome to get to mm -hmm. leading love? You know, I wish I had this quote by Bell Hooks written down because I don't remember how it goes exactly, but basically she talks about what you were just saying, Emily, about how people experience, I think, so much pain in the past that it inhibits them from moving forward and choosing love. And Bell Hooks says something like, in order to take the step to love and to choose love, we have to have the courage to let go of where we didn't receive love in the past and the pain that that caused us and the hurt that that caused us. And of course it's so much easier said than done, but that is, that is really one of the, the first and most crucial steps. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, for, I'll say my love journey was something with my forgiveness, like forgiving and I, not forgetting, but forgiving so that I could get, to the next step. So I would not hold myself back because in essence, that's what I was doing. I was, it was, I was putting it about me and about my feelings, which yes, some things that happened were, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but still I'm, it's keeping me in the past. And I think that is, that's something, I don't know if any, any, 
anything that you have found or any stories that you have from the love summit about the forgiveness aspect of it, but continuing love and action and understanding that not everybody's, not everybody's bad, <laughs> you know, like I believe that 90% of people are amazing, but that 10% just are so loud yelling that it looks like it's more than it is. So, um, I think that's something I really just want to talk about next is about what can people do to get to start loving as an ethic and an action? So in a, in a minute, I will share the 10 principles of Bell Hooks love ethic. But before I do that, I, I do want to talk about forgiveness a little bit and also just touch on what you just said about people being bad. And I don't think that any human being is inherently a bad person. I think that I, I am such a firm believer in human potential. And I think that every single human being is just full of love that's waiting to be unlocked. But there's a lot mm -hmm. of things that hold us back. So many things um, from the things that happen to us, like you said, said throughout our lives to economic um, situations that hold us back, so on and so forth. But if we're talking in kind of a, let's talk about forgiveness for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that's one of, for me, the primary principles of love and choosing love is being able to forgive people. And I've had many experiences in my life as I'm, I think most of us have that have been extremely painful and challenging. And it would be so easy for me to resent the people that caused me that pain or did things to me that were less than ideal. Um, but for me, a huge thing that has been helpful in my process also, Emily, is um, my process of choosing love ha it has also been to be forgiving and to forgive people. And it's the same thing as you, like you said, it's not forgetting or negating what happened. It's really important to remember those situations because um, they inform how we you know, move forward and it helps our growth. But forgiving and being able to let go of that resentment um, is so freeing and liberating. And so I know we all have uh, forgiveness is not easy. I think it's one of the hardest things, um, but it is one of the most crucial for sure. For sure. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so true. Um, it's important. And I love that, that you brought that point up. And so I think too, you talked about the 10, um, 10 points, but, but I love to hear that as well. So go into yeah. that. So what I'll do, because I know you said you want some actions um, for people, what I'll do is I'll read the principles and then for some of them that aren't maybe as obvious as to how we would go enacting them, I'll give some kind of thoughts on each. So the first is affection. The second is care. Let's talk about those just for a second. So when, when we say that the a couple principles of love or the love ethic are affection and care, um, being open and honest about your affection for people and showing that you care, not just feeling it, um, not just thinking about it, but actually we're talking about action. So taking the action to show someone that you care about them. So open and honest expression of affection and care. Mm -hmm. uh, the next is commitment, responsibility, 
respect, knowledge. So when we talk about knowledge, I think respect is self-explanatory. Responsibility is like, you know, taking action or taking responsibility for our actions, holding ourselves accountable, um, commitment. So being committed to a situation. Uh, but when we talk about knowledge, that one, I'm not sure if it's as self-explanatory, but always seeking out knowledge and educating ourselves and being open to learning new things. Mm -hmm. The next is accountability. So we talked about that a little bit around responsibility, uh, holding ourselves and others accountable for their actions. But once again, it doesn't have to, I, I'm seeing a lot of, um, especially in the socio-political climate that we have going on right now, you can think about like around Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of divisiveness going on uh, related to holding, well, just how people see the situation overall of Black Lives Matter and racial justice. But I think some people who are really well-intentioned are trying to hold others accountable for their actions. And sometimes it comes, actions that are like, so hypothetically speaking, it could be a white person that thinks that they're doing racial justice, but they're actually doing something that's inhibiting that. And then other people are coming around and saying, no, you're like, they're calling them out. Um, and we need to hold people accountable, but there's also a way of doing that that is loving. And that, that means you, you can do it in a kind way. You don't have to shoot people down. Um, and then integrity. This is one of my favorites. I think that integrity is, for me, one of, I think, the most important principle of human being, um, you know, acting with integrity, paying attention to what you say and what you do and making sure those things line up. That's integrity. Um, and then I know we don't have much time left. So uh, the last two are <laughs> the will to cooperate. So that's once again, uh, kind of like when we're talking about accountability and these situations where there's like around Black Lives Matter or other kind of like heated political issues, uh, it can be difficult to, to cooperate because we get we get emotional and upset and go so stuck in our our opinions or preconceived notions about the way things are or should be um so kind of just letting that guard down taking down those barriers just being open to hearing other people out and cooperating um that's the will to cooperate and then trust is the last one and i just love that so much and i think that's a really beautiful one to end on too because um this whole thing you know choosing love is the process of having enough trust in the fact that it will work. You just have to trust and you just have to take that first step. I love everything about that. And I've actually never heard those. So that's a very interesting concept too. So, and I'll, the irony too, is that accountability for us, we give what is called love nudges. And that's in our accountability measure is it's doing it with that love, but it, it's, it's holding people accountable. And you are so right about how to go about it because sometimes it, it just isn't and it will fall flat. So I think that that's a huge thing that I've learned in, in my work. But for anybody that is listening to this and they're like, love this thing, I'm still not with it. Like, I'm still not. Um, what would be like your final advice or invitation for them to, to just try it? 
let go of your preconceived notions about what you think you know. And remember that none of us know everything and trust, trust that it's okay to try something new and something that you don't feel totally comfortable with. It's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. That's good. Give yourself a chance to try something that is out of your comfort zone and mm -hmm. don't go for it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me, Samantha. And so for anybody that wants to get in touch with you or learn more about the work that you do, how can they find you? You guys can find me on Instagram. My handle is love by ST. And then also just choose love is on Instagram at just choose love. And you can head to my website, just choose love.com sign up for our mailing list. And I'll keep you in the know with um, about future love summits and happenings around the movement. I am so supportive of you. And as I've told you before, and I'm going to say it on this too, just for record, if you need anything for that love summit, like, and I really want to recommend, I know that we, COVID threw a little loop in it, but whenever you do your next one, um, I we will do a huge pitch for it because I think it is so important and it is foundational for this work that I have for humanity and bringing people and learning how they work to the forefront. Because whenever you can tap into this on how humans are designed and what their actual needs are, their real needs, love mm -hmm. being one of them, mm -hmm. You have so much potential, not just with um, just with people and connecting, but with business. Like it's it's an endless ROI because a lot of people look at it on a money side. Like this pays for itself tenfold. Um, find it, try it. Love really does matter, and I'm so thankful for you, Samantha, for joining me today as you lead with love. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.